Hello, this is Search for Truth. Welcome and many thanks for joining us. It's great to have you with us. Today, Brian, our Bible teacher, brings us the third talk in his series of lessons from the Bible letter of James. The teaching from James's letter in the New Testament is very practical and it's very helpful because we're trying to live Christian lives of a high standard. And Brian brings out some more challenging thoughts again today. So let's see now what Brian has for us. Thanks, John. We've mentioned right at the start of this series that not all commentators, including some very notable ones, have been kind to James. His lack of focus on the person of Christ or on the person of the Holy Spirit are some of the reasons sometimes quoted. But then there's the added charge that his theology may be suspect, as it seems to run counter to Paul's, especially in the matter of faith and works. But is James preaching salvation by God's grace alone, or is he preaching salvation by works? Before we begin to answer that, we should straight away affirm that the inclusion of James in the canon of Scripture, in other words, the fact that it's included in our Bibles, means that we must start from the fact that this is part of God's inspired word, and as a result is inerrant, or without error, in what it teaches. Once we grant that, we will easily see that James can be understood as in no way contradicting Paul. The section which has caused confusion for some is found in James chapter 2, starting from verse 14, which is where we left off last time. James says there, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? Then having asked the question, James proceeds to give four answers, the first of which highlights a practical absurdity. Let James take it up from here. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Obviously, the answer to the question, what use is the withholding of practical help, is no use at all. Remember the question under consideration is, can that faith save him? The faith, if we can call it that, which dismisses a destitute brother or sister without practical assistance, that is, without works, is unreal. God is a God of means. Practical help is no faith killer. But the absence of such support is a denial of faith. Now James brings us answer number two by considering two competing challenges. In verse 18 he says, But someone may well say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. The first thing here is about being asked to show faith without producing works as supporting evidence of that faith. And the second thing is about showing works as the real evidence of the faith behind them. These head-to-head challenges distinguish between what's real and what's only hot air or empty words. The faith that saves is real faith, which can be displayed through faith-motivated actions. If we've nothing to show for the faith we claim to have, then neither is there any faith either. Next, 
which is thirdly, James employs an extreme example when he says in verse 19, You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognise, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Well, I said it was an extreme example, and it is. Do demons believe? Yes, in the sense that they intellectually know that God exists. Does that faith save them? No, it doesn't, and neither would you expect it to. A mere awareness of the facts, mentally giving assent to the truth, is not what faith is about. Faith, real faith, truly exists when you act on the facts. The fourth and final answer or response which James gives to the question he set out to answer is to quote some historical examples of faith from two famous lives in the Bible. Here's what he says in chapter 2, verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Let's take the example of Abraham because it's the one where people have sensed that James is saying something different from the Apostle Paul. James quotes Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, as does Paul, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. This is from part of Abraham's story, a part that's a long time before the most famous event in Abraham's life, which is when he was prepared to offer up his son Isaac as a sacrifice. We know chapter 15 is a long time before this, because Isaac wasn't even born back then, when we're told Abraham's faith was the basis for him being accredited as righteous by God. But when God tested the genuineness of his faith years later, by asking him to sacrifice his precious, long-awaited son, Abraham so trusted God that he would not have held back anything precious. Of course, God would never have let him go through with the act of killing his son. It was simply a test which God knew Abraham's faith would pass. In that sense, he was justified by his works. Only in the sense that his work of being prepared to offer his son proved the real faith that he previously had. As James said, you see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. We need to understand that James is not contrasting faith with works as to which may save us. We know from Paul's biblical writings that the answer is clear. We are saved or justified by faith. James' point is totally consistent with that. What he tells us is that a mere professed faith can't save us, only a real faith. And what's more, 
any real faith will inevitably reveal itself in works, in actions which stem from our faith. It's only through our faith in Christ that the Bible tells us we can be justified in God's sight and so ready for heaven. Only faith, but it must be real faith, not an empty profession. Again, allow me to illustrate. In the 19th century, there was a tightrope stunt artist known professionally as the Great Blondine. In 1859, he was the first person to walk across a 335-metre rope suspended high over the water of the Niagara Falls in Canada, which plunged down far below him. On one occasion, he asked the crowd, How many of you believe that I, the Great Blondin, can not only walk back across that tightrope, but this time do it while I push a wheelbarrow? Again they cried, We believe! We believe! Then he asked, How many of you really believe it? Oh, we really believe it, they shouted back. One man shouted a little bit more enthusiastically than the others, and he caught the great Blondin's eye. Pointing to the man, he said, If you really believe, then get in the wheelbarrow. The man quickly disappeared. The difference between what we say we believe and what we really believe will always show up in our actions. And that really is what James has been telling us. I hope you enjoyed Brian's talk today and may we all stand strong when our faith is challenged. We can only do it if we rely on the strength God gives to us. Now, you might find it helpful to have the booklet, which is a transcript of this whole series of Brian's talks, and it's available free of charge. And you can have more than one copy if you're going to use them for group study, for instance, or to pass on to a friend. Just make sure to let us have your postal address and ask for the title Lessons from James. There are also back issues of other titles which you might like to download via the internet or order through Amazon. I'll tell you how to do this in a moment, but first, here's our postal and our email address. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, 
Leicester LE5 6LN UK. And now, here's our email address sft at churchesofgod.info. You can also download MP3 versions of some past programs on your computer. You'll need to go to www.searchfortruth.org.uk. This is our church website where you can also access other helpful material. Additionally, some more past titles of Search for Truth booklets are available at Amazon. You need to go there to amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle ebooks. You just type Search for Truth series into the search box and you'll find a, a growing list of transcript books from previous programmes available there. So, thanks ever so much for being with us today. It's been great to have you with us, and I hope you find these programmes helpful. Next week, God willing, Brian brings us another study from the letter of James, so please join us if you can. Until then, it's very best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, our studio technician David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you.